Hi, I'm Allison Howell. You're listening to The Trunk Show, where I talk with founders of leading event rental companies about their rental adventures. The show is brought to you by RW Elephant, the mighty inventory management software for your event rental business. In this episode, I talk to the co-founders of the first vintage and specialty rental company in Richmond, Virginia. Well, my name is Morgan. And I'm Perkins. And we're the co-captains of Paisley and Jade based in Richmond, Virginia. I talked to these inspiring ladies about how they got into event rentals through the catering business, how they learned the hard way which professionals to trust, and how they think about expanding their future collection. All of that and more coming up on The Trunk Show. For six chairs, four. I would do like 125. So let me put the 125 in as my maximum, and then um, I will set an alarm for like right before it closes just so we can check on it if that's okay. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, this is what you like, what we signed up for, right? Yeah, I think so. I think running your own business sometimes happens when you don't expect it to. Like I'm supposed to be being interviewed for a podcast and instead I'm bidding on chairs. Okay. So how did you guys get started on your rental adventure? Uh, was there an aha moment or was it a gradual process? So like a lot of people, we kind of had that entrepreneurial seizure. If you read the e-myth, um, Perkins and I were working together in an off-premise catering company um, for a boss that could have been better. And we were selling food. Uh, managing weddings and events. Perkins did the weddings. I did the corporate clients and ran the day-to-day of the catering business. And we were really excited about putting together visuals for our clients, pass-throughs for hors d'oeuvres or cool bars. So there wasn't anything like that in our market here in Richmond, Virginia. So we started to create the products to rent to our clients that they'd book with us because they wanted those cool options. So Perkins was driving like two and a half hours to her parents' farm to borrow wine barrels borrow in quotation marks. <laughs> and um, we kind of had that moment where we were like, we're doing all this work. We're not getting, like, we weren't getting paid from that time or energy that we were putting into those rentals. The company that we didn't own was benefiting. We didn't really like selling food. And if there was a need for that, then there was probably something more there that could happen. So we both were just kind of like, wait a minute, like, if if this guy can run a business, we can run a business, and it can be something that that's even better and something we like even more than what we're already doing. Perkins, was that kind of a scary transition for you or was it natural? I think I was like really young and dumb and had energy and was really excited about it and fully trusted Morgan's ideas and intuitions. So she pulled More together. To <laughs> she pulled together like an incredible business plan as if to like reassure me to win me over before I made that leap, but it wasn't necessary. I was really excited to do it and I feel like we had every opportunity at our fingertips and we're like super stubborn and hard-headed. We knew it would be hard in the beginning, but I think we also like knew we were pretty resilient to get through what we thought would be hard and then it ended up <laughs> even being harder. But yeah. I think it was one of those things where we were smart enough to like be successful, but dumb enough to not really know what was coming at us. Sure. So sure. we kind of had those blinders on of like, oh yeah, this is great. Like we're like, yeah, I'm woman. Hear me roar. Like we can do this. Right. And we and we did, and we can, but it definitely was just different. What was the first piece you ever rented? Do you guys still have it? Was it the Marietta? No, it's the pink channel back um, chair, the Abilene. Abilene. Oh. So we started our business, we launched in June of 2012. Again, when you talk about things that maybe you didn't know, what you didn't know, we launched our business in June of 2012, went out with like, hey, here we are, rent our stuff. 
Um, but our website didn't go live until October. So we did two orders in 2012. Mm-hmm. And the first one was a former coworker of ours, her niece's first birthday pictures. I met her mother in a grocery store parking lot and handed her the chair. So yeah, so that was our first one. And we just sold it. And, and it honestly, it's actually a really classic piece. It's that sort of blush pink velvet. Yeah. But the upholstery had seen its time, and we knew that it wasn't necessarily worth the energy or effort to, to redo it or reupholster it. It's better suited for somebody's home. Sorry. <clears throat> Can I just check on my chairs? Yeah. I'm so sorry. How many minutes are left? Like one. It's up to 190. It's okay. six chairs. Just give me your top number, and I'll put it in, and we'll call it a day. 250. Up to 250. All right. Putting it away. Find out later if we won, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Okay, so how do you stand out at Paisley and Jade? What do you hope your clients associate with your brand? Well, I think for us, we were first to market in our area. So we were able to set the tone across the board for what people should expect from specialty rentals. So I think that's given us the opportunity to create the narrative there of what to expect from a specialty rental company. How do you decide when and what to add to your collection? Uh, Is there a rule that you live by when it comes to buying? I don't think there's a rule. I think we've we've narrowed down the collection really well over the past couple years. And that doesn't necessarily mean adding. I think that has a lot to do with kind of pulling pieces out that you think are really neat pieces. But if they don't fit into a group look, they don't work. So less eclectic. Less eclectic, slightly. And I think when we pull together groupings, you can kind of see what you're missing. I really am fortunate to work with a lot of different specialty rental companies. And for the ones that are just starting out, um, I think the, like the, on the small scale, the mistake I see a lot is they're buying inventory because it's cheap, um, but not because it fits a particular style or aesthetic that they're, they're grooming into a collection. And we suffered that same mistake. Absolutely. So when you start, it's so easy to be like, I just I just need to rent a sofa. Like, I need to get things moving. So you get a cute sofa, and then you rent it. And then you find a cute chair, but they don't go together. So now you're renting a cute sofa or a cute chair. We didn't do a lot of curating when we started. Um, so we had a lot of things that we thought were cute. Looking back, not so much. That's why style and taste evolves over years. Sure. But I do think that um, I see a lot of folks new to this making the mistake of that's cheap and cute, I should get it because it'll rent, as opposed to what else will this rent with? How will this help me reach a broader goal revenue-wise in terms of am I trying to get people to rent X amount of dollars together? Yeah, so um, Perkins, I know in your business, you deal mostly with that client side and Morgan is handling a lot of the back of the house. How do you sort of respond to client requests for custom pieces or how are you quantifying customer requests when you're sort of figuring out what people are looking for that yeah. might not be in your collection already? No, definitely. I think it's always important to listen. Like, they are our clientele. They're going to, to keep the lights on. I think if we built every piece that was ever requested, we would have gone out of business a long mm-hmm. time ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting when an outsider's point of view recommends something that you never thought of but mm-hmm. instantly clicks. I think sure. that sometimes happens and we add it to our collection. Or if enough people ask for the same thing over a period of time. Yeah. So there's been a number of pieces we were not, never crossed our mind to add. But in like one month, maybe five different clients mentioned it. And then we were like, okay, so this is obviously something we should consider doing. 
Yeah. Um, and we've had some real success with some pieces like that. Yeah. And I think part of it, too, is that assessment of, like, a client requests something. Perkins typically is the first sort of line of defense. Like, she knows, we know each other well enough to be like, this is not going anywhere. Or if it's interesting or if she's not sure, she'll then bring it to me and say, hey, can we just look at specking this out? What's it going to cost? What's the what's the time commitment? Um, and, you know, for us, we're really fortunate because we have a full-time shop lead. So it's less about, oh, we have to find somebody who can do this. Bobby, who works for us, is amazing. He's so talented. Um, so for us, it's not necessarily sourcing the talent or the ability to do it. It's whether we want to and if it fits with where we're headed. So from there— we, And if we have room for it. And if we have room to store it, which sometimes doesn't stop us. It's, it's an ongoing battle. But um, Perkins will really—her well, and I will sit down and really assess what it is, if it goes with other things in our collection as we've continued to grow our business. For us, it's really important that things go together. And then also, like, what its rentability potential is. Is this something that's going to rent? How much space does it take up? You know, how how quickly will um, we recoup just our materials costs, knowing full well that that's not the entire cost of it when you talk about moving it, storing it, um, maintaining it. And then, you know, we make those decisions from there. We've had some duds. We've built some things that we then were like, this isn't going to do anything for us. We've also had some really great successes. We recently rolled out a whole new line of acrylic oversized signage that's been super popular. We had a lot of requests for round bars, and that was kind of on our list of things we wanted to do. So it was really nice when that sort of converged and we had clients saying, hey, we really want round bars. We were like, hey, we've really wanted to build round bars. Yeah. It seems like the relationship between your customers, there's there's been a little bit of a shift then from the moment when you're delivering chairs to somebody in a grocery store parking lot to... <laughs> a place where you're sometimes turning down business because somebody can't work within the parameters that you have. Um, What other barriers have there been to growth and how have you pushed past those in your business? So I think one of the biggest barriers for Perkins and myself, and this is a little bit more on the technical side, but, you know, we started this business having never owned a business. We've never done this before. Um, Perkins comes from a family of, of small business owners, some in the event industry and things like that. My dad um, owned a business as well. I always said I would never own a business because of that. But, um, you know, we got into never this. Never say never. I know, right? We got into this business because we saw an opportunity and, and quite frankly, we were done working for somebody else. Not because we actually were good at running a business or knew how to run a business. I have a degree in theater. You, mine's in PR. So we didn't come into this. with. I mean, I, I made a business plan. And it's so funny you mentioned that, Perkins, because I made a business plan, but basically I just, like, Googled, like, an outline of a business plan and, like, filled in the parts. And then I remember, because I'm a creative, I went and got, like, fancy, like, like teal-colored paper and, like, made an envelope for it to give it to Perkins. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, because we don't—we didn't have that knowledge intrinsically of, like, oh, what does a cash flow plan look like? Um, What, you know— how do, how do you deal with workers' comp? Like, all of these different sure. businessy things. So, for us, we knew that that was going to be an obstacle. We could, we could buy cool things. We could fix up vintage furniture, you know, and now to the point we can, we can manage a team and run a business. But we didn't come out of the gate with all of that knowledge. Um, so, to combat that, one of the first things we agreed upon is that we would hire some specialists or some, you know, Specialist is not the right word. It sounds like I'm going to the doctor. Um, 
A professional. Professionals. Thank you. Um, so we hired from the outset an accountant and a lawyer to be able to do our contract and our um, LLC and stuff like that and then help us set up our books. Um, and and that was helpful. Like a lot of things, again, trial by fire, we actually have gone, we're in our third accounting service and we finally have found somebody that works well with us and that we love. Um, but we knew that we didn't have that knowledge and we needed to bring in professionals to help us. So I would say that was a huge stumbling block for us. And until we were able to wrap our arms around things like, you know, our financial statements and what it looks like to apply for a line of credit and how, you know, you can work with getting a business license and what what sort of things you need, you know, from the state and from the city to be able to operate legally and, and professionally um, that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, we hired a marketing team to oh, yeah. do a website. We hired a business coach, like. I would say that is one thing I can look back on saying, like, we may not have picked the best ones at first, but we did make a really good effort in taking that original startup money and placing it with four to five professionals to do it right. Yeah, it seems like on the one hand, you don't know what you don't know. But on the other hand, you guys really brought in people who do know. <laughs> or, or that we thought would know. So, you know, to that end, we still work with a lawyer, not the same lawyer we started with. Sure. Um, Financially, like I said, we're on our third accountant. Um, we are. We now work with Michelle from Sage Wedding Pros, who we love and is amazing, but she's not somebody we worked with from the beginning. Right. So as our business evolved, you know, we evolved who we were working with and who was the best fit as we continued to, to learn and, and grow. Right. And it kind of blew our minds that, like, when you shop for a professional like that, they need to figure out what your business is. Whereas we thought, like, just by looking up somebody being like, sure, we can afford them. We'll hire them. Like, they knew nothing about our business. It took us a long time to wrap our heads around, like, interviewing them to learn about our business to have that effective relationship. Sure. We don't bring any kind of professional into a working relationship, whether it's insurance, whether it's buying, like, the guy we buy our trucks from, without making sure they have a full understanding of, like, our business and what we do. Because it's so unique and um, it's so easy for them to sort of be like, oh, yeah, I've got it, I've got it. And then only to find out that things are not being done the right way because they don't get it. Sure, sure. Yeah, and there are some subtleties, right? Because you could have an accountant, for instance, who seems like they understand what you're looking for. And then they're putting your insurance all together instead of helping you break down your delivery fees versus your other expenses. And then pretty soon you're not able to easily track the metrics that are really important to you. And so if you don't have somebody who's really able to work with you on those issues that are most important to you, then you can't run the business you want to run. And instead you're sort of kind of at the mercy of those professionals that you put your trust in, but who don't necessarily understand your priorities. Yeah, and not out of a place of them not knowing how to do their job. It's just a matter of we don't we didn't know how to communicate what we needed because we didn't understand what what we needed, and they didn't right. understand our business completely. But we're thrilled now. We work with a slate of professionals that are are wonderful. We're our insurance guys, VIP client. What do you think was that turning point for you where you were, like, convinced, like, we are, like, full force now? There's not, like, we're not, not turning back. I think when we got the, the warehouse, not that I ever fault, like, I didn't falter before that, but I think that was such a commitment mm. that you couldn't back out on. Not a three-year lease. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it was, you had to keep going. You had to keep pushing. And it was still exciting. And I, I joke around and being like, oh, we, we were really young and dumb. But you had to have booked business to have even had the opportunity to have gotten the warehouse. So, yeah. like, we, we probably don't give ourselves enough credit in that sense. But, um, and then you're just put in a position where you can't fail. There's no option. Yeah. And I think for me, it was similar. It was the warehouse and then hiring that first full-time employee. Like, now there's no turning back. Like, even with the warehouse, like, oh, like, you don't pay the lease. Like, your credit goes, you know, downhill. Like, you make a lot of decisions that affect you personally and maybe, like, a significant other or whatever. But the minute that you brought somebody on, like, you're responsible for somebody else's livelihood. To them, they're not taking a risk maybe because it's like, oh, I'm going to work for somebody. But to me, it's like, uh, this is a risk. Like this person is showing up every day, knowing that I that they're gonna there's gonna be money in our checking account to write their paycheck in two weeks. Sure. So most people know when they get into business that they need to get like a business license. Some people know they should get insurance, but um, there are a lot of aspects of business that we don't find out until maybe we've broken the rules. So I wanted to know, like, when did you really learn that the state of Virginia has an upholstery inspector? When he showed up. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I was actually not at work the day that, that this happened when it started. And a gentleman showed up and he encountered one of our employees and he said, you know, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm uh, an inspector with the Virginia Department of Health, uh, the bedding and upholstered furniture division, which to me sounded like something out of Harry Potter, right? Like the, the department of like sheets and pillowcases. Here I am. Our employee responded, I'm going to have to ask you to speak to the owners who are currently not here right now. She was wonderful. As a lot of small business owners, anytime you sort of get a visit, um, you know, coming from catering, like when the health inspector shows up, that's a big moment. Um, obviously, guidelines exist for a reason, and it's, you know, public health, and that's that's excellent. But anybody in small business, I think, feels that that moment of when the fire marshal or the, the Department of Health or whoever it is shows up. It's kind of like your mom showing up at your college dorm room unannounced, right? Like, if you had known they were coming, you might have just, like, put your laundry away, or at least hidden it under the bed. So we didn't even realize, though, that we needed to do anything. So I called him back, and I asked him, you know, hey, like, you came to visit. What can I do for you? Like, are you having a party? Do you need some chairs? Um, that <laughs> Please was not- tell me he was having a party. No, he was not having a party. Um, and he said, oh, well, um, in the state of Virginia, uh, any upholstered item that is leaving your possession needs to be sanitized when it comes back before it can go out again. This is mostly seen in like thrift stores or consignment shops. So when somebody has, um, is selling something upholstered and the contents are of quote unquote like unknown origin, you have to sanitize them. And it's to prevent the spread of bed bugs and other, you know, insect issues. So we had always seen sourcing these yellow tags on the furniture, um, but had no idea that it was state regulation or anything like that. So he said, yeah, it includes party rental businesses because the the property is, you know, leaving your possession. So when it comes back, you need to sanitize it before it can go out again. So I said, like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, this is a rental company. Like, I don't want my things to have bugs. We're not planning on on having things have bugs. And he said, no, the other rental companies do it. So immediately I'm like, okay. So Perkins says, why don't you call our other rents, like our big box rental friends and see, because they have some like upholstered things. So I call a friend of ours, a mentor of ours in the market who owns like a tent dish, you know, kind of company. And she says, yes, yes, it's a thing. And I'm like, 
excellent. Okay. She's like, we have to do it with our shivari cushions. But we got to talking, and it's a very interesting rule, just in my opinion, because if you have a property on site and you have shivari chairs and you put them outside for a ceremony or you put them two acres away at your ceremony location and they've sat outside for three days, they can come back in your venue and you don't have to do anything because technically they haven't left your possession. Right. But for us, if they leave our possession, um, then when they come back, they have to be sanitized. But in order to do that, you have to be state certified. So you have to apply for a permit. You pay for the permit, which is like 60 bucks. Um, you then have to order this special sanitization stuff, which has chemicals that I can't even say so the names of. So it sounds like kind of magic potions. Exactly. We're back to we're back to Dumbledore and the, and the ministry again. So needless to say, um, we are state certified sanitizers. We've ordered our special tags from the Virginia Department of Health organization that they supply those through. And our team sanitizes our product now. I want to ask uh, you about one another. Uh, so what is one characteristic or trait that you think the other person in your partnership has that has contributed to your success? Oh, gosh. I'm a, I'm a serious rule follower. Like, if, if it, like, this is why we do the things we do. And Perkins, one of her best traits is she always wants to know why. Or mostly why not. Like, if you're like, this is why we're doing it. Well, well why? Why can't we do it the other way? Um, and not in an antagonistic way, but, like, she she's even said before, like, she's the type of person if somebody says, like, oh, like, it's time for a beverage, you can have a Coke or a water, she'll be like, well, why can't I have orange juice? <laughs> no, I think definitely why it's worked is, like, definitely a yin and yang dynamic. Not that one's good cop, bad cop, but I think we are super, super different, but have a lot of respect for why we're different. Like, Morgan loves a spreadsheet. If she could just make a spreadsheet for every day, that would make her smile. And that would kill my soul. Like, I would just, nope. (laughs) So, I can't. So, I think she lets me have really rambunctious, creative moments and never pulls me down from that. She's like, that's a great idea. Let's look at these factors as the best way to get this done. Are we sure this is the best policy? Um, So I think without Morgan, Paisley and Jade would have crashed and burned a long time ago. And I think without me, Paisley and Jade would have— Been a lot of spreadsheets. Been an accounting firm. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Who knows what would have happened? Okay, but did you know that about each other before you started? Yes. Because we worked with each other in a 10-foot-by-10-foot office with shelves of catering platters for a year and a half. So you kind of worked in a rental warehouse together almost. There was inventory to be had, running to TJ Maxx to buy more. Yes. We had a a small taste of what our future was going to be like then, for sure. I just remember one day after Perkins started working at the catering company, and she just looked at me so sad. She goes, I think I'd just really like to be able to sit by the window because the office was, like, such a, like, it was literally a 10 by 10 room with with probably seven or eight sets of, like, that metal catering shelving. So, literally, the next day, I moved everything around, and we went and got, like, the tiniest little, like, um, apartment desk from Target so that she could sit by the window. I need some sunshine. <laughs> wow. Um, well, besides sunshine, can you tell me about a moment in your rental adventure that you have truly celebrated? Oh, we've celebrated a lot of moments. A, well, big recent celebration is that we're experiencing an amazing winter, which is considered our off-season 
with great numbers and great projects that are happening. And it's not, I think something really common for the rental industry is during your off season is when you pull back. It's when you hold your breath a little bit more. It's when you cut people's hours slightly. You stop going out for coffee. You start going, yeah, absolutely. And I think this winter has been such an interesting experience that we are not experiencing that. It's been refreshing, refreshing, well welcomed. And like that feeling of like our hard work has paid off. I think a moment that I personally celebrated, um, other people maybe not so much, but um, when I looked back at 2018, I did the math and I was on the road for 119 days of 2018, Um, which to me was really awesome in the sense and something to be celebrated in the sense that like I had an amazing year. I got to experience a lot of things. Um, In that time, though, I, I still like... We, I still helped run our business. Like, this isn't like I was on vacation 119 sure. days of the year, to be clear. I actually do better work when I'm on the road sometimes. And I think the team does better work when I'm not there asking them questions. No, it's kind of true, though, because she's got very short moments to get a lot done. So she gets hyper-focused yeah. and super productive. Um, but that was a celebration moment for me of, like, wow, in this world of entrepreneurship and small business ownership, like, I made a decision that I wanted to travel more, that I wanted to get involved in NACE on the national level, that I wanted to see my family who all live out of state more, that I wanted to go to more education and conference events, and that I made that happen. And not only was I able to do that, but our business didn't suffer, but in fact, it flourished underneath that as well. And I'm still married. Well, those are all things to celebrate for sure. Yeah. On the flip side of that, what are some pitfalls or mistakes you've encountered along the way, and how did you recover from those? I think, I mean, we have some, like, old-school stories of, like, taking the wrong business and saying yes to the wrong client um, that I think a lot of small businesses go through. Um, I think one of our pitfalls that we've really learned about is not being our own advocates um, when it comes to, like, we talked about hiring professionals and not— you know, saying, like, not realizing that, like, this isn't a good fit or, like, really saying, like, I need you to explain this to me until I understand it. Like, we, our clients all the time, if we send them a proposal and they don't understand it or they don't understand, like, why you put that rug with that sofa, they will ask until they understand why. Why is this console table on my order? Oh, that's so we can connect your two lounges back to back. Why do I have three bars here if I only am getting one bar? Well, those three bars go together to make one bar. But yet, as small business owners, and I think as as women sometimes, a professional might tell us something like, oh, well, that's that's there because that's how it's done. Well, I want to understand why. And I think I think in the past we've not done a good job being our own advocates in those situations. Can you give me an example of an experience that you feel like you overcame that? When I fired accountant number one and number two. <laughs> wow. Um, was that hard? Yes and no. Um, Those situations are uncomfortable because we like to support small business and local business and women-owned business. So it's always uncomfortable to sort of have a business relationship with somebody, Um, especially when it's like you got referred to them through someone and it doesn't work out. And here's the thing. Everybody's going to have good experiences and bad experiences. I'd like to think that every client that Paisley and Jade has ever had has had a 100% amazing experience. But I'm sure out there there's somebody that for whatever reason isn't 100% satisfied. Like, I feel like we've done everything we can to satisfy our clients, but I'm sure there's somebody out there who maybe wasn't for whatever reason. Um, But it can be really difficult when you're in that situation to have to then 
disengage from that relationship, especially if it's been referred to you by somebody, or especially when then later on down the line, you see other people referring those professionals to other folks. Yeah. Um, and so that can be uncomfortable. Um, but at the same time, I think, again, being an advocate for yourself and your business, you have to make the right choices for you and for your team and to be able to grow and move forward. And sometimes that requires being uncomfortable, which we're not necessarily good at. No. And I think a big part of entrepreneurship is you, a big step is when you finally bring on hiring and staff and then you you think it's done. But it's a whole nother world of year by year maintaining and cultivating and making sure that's still the right staff to grow with your business. And I think that's we've hit moments where it's uncomfortable when you realize you don't have the right fit and working through that so the business can continue to flourish and your current employees can still really love their job. So that's been an interesting Yeah. How do you feel like you've grown in that? Is there something you feel like you've developed as a boss or just personally that has helped you? Or maybe like something you didn't expect about yourself that you, a, a skill or a tool that you have now that you didn't have five years ago? I think, again, in terms of being our own advocates, Perkins and I have gotten much better about not beating around the bush on certain things. Mm -hmm. We used to sort of be the type of bosses where, like, we didn't want to upset anybody. So there was a lot of dancing around, like, if something needed to be done differently, it was a lot of like, hey, I I know there's a lot going on, and I know you're super busy, and I know know that, like, we talked about this last week, and I I don't mean to, like, be a nudge, but, and, and that's just creating more work and more noise for everyone. I'm a really direct communicator in most of my life. So it actually was really interesting to be in this dynamic where we both were doing this sort of awkward dance. Sure. Um, but we have worked with our team that we have now and really sort of gotten to an understanding where, like, nobody wants to waste the time or energy on doing that dance. Um, and we can just be direct. Like, feedback is feedback. We are at a great place with our team where we they know how much we – um, love them and care about mm-hmm. them and that feel like they're family. Um, and in that sense, we can talk like family. So just like I'll tell my sister, like, you can't wear that. I can look at somebody on my team and be like, hey, you can't do that. Or, hey, you did this and we need to do it this way next time. Sure. Um, and there's a lot of freedom in that because it it doesn't become about what do they think of me or are they angry or um, am I in trouble? Like, Will they stay? Yeah. Or there's like, that huge. Yeah. So it's, it's in a much like better place. It seems like there's a lot of security in that. Yes. Along those lines, kind of as we wrap up here, what is one thing you've learned about yourself personally um, that you didn't know before you started your business? For me, I um, I've really, I feel like I've grown a lot personally in the sense that I came from a place before we started this business where I felt like I always knew best. Like my way was always best. Like you might think you knew, but like clearly... You just hadn't come around to understanding that my way was best. Um, and between the transition from leaving the catering company and starting this and and building this team and working in a partnership, um, for me, I really feel like I've evolved as a human and as a person to know that 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 is never the case and that should never be the case, that the best things come out of collaboration and that if I'm in a position where I think that all of my ideas are the best or I'm the only one who knows the best way to do things, that that's a great way for things to fail um, because there's no way that that me on my own can be better than a room full of people who are brilliantly talented in so many different ways. I mean, I'm 
Mm. I don't know, Morgan. Help me out. How do I change? She got a... A dog? I, no, I was going to make a joke, but... Oh. <laughs> okay, well, think about yourself when you were doing yeah. all the deliveries yourself compared to now. Yeah. I think I learned... And I think something that's, like, super common in the event industry is to be a yes person and, like, to put your your self-worth to the side to get that done. And I think that's how people run themselves ragged and they burn out. And I think starting it as young as we were and that we're still at the process where we're still learning and still, like, very open to growing and learning more. And part of that was like learning to say no for the better of your personal health and for business. So I think that's something I've gained a lot more confidence in is kind of standing your ground and learning to say no and setting guidelines and boundaries. Um, and there's like a lot of confidence that comes from that, especially when you see it work out for the best. Um, so, yeah. I think together, too, we've also learned about the value of where you spend your dollar. Um, prior to owning our own business, I definitely was somebody who was real casual about how I spent and where I spent my money in terms of like, like, don't get me wrong, I love Target and Amazon as much as the next girl, but we both make a conscious effort. Being small business owners, we both make a conscious effort now to frequent small businesses, um, to get our coffee at the local place up the street, um, to when we buy gifts for employees or um, for, you know, clients that we're focusing on supporting small business, local business, women-owned business. Um, and same with, you know, where we send our dollars for these professionals we hire and so on. Great. Okay, now here's time for the lightning round. So I'm going to I'm gonna ask each of you questions. We're going to go back and forth here. Okay. So get ready. All right, let's do it. Okay. Favorite piece in your collection? The Barnegat. Ramp or Liftgate? Liftgate. Sole proprietorship, LLC, S-Corp, Offshore Dummy Corporation? C-Corp. Business book you'd recommend? The E-Myth. Podcast you like? One's about serial killers. Who inspires you? My mother. Dream buying trip destination? France. Is your personal style different than your rental collection? A hundred percent. Three things outside of work you love to do? Eat, sleep, play with my dog. Business tool you couldn't live without? My laptop. You were supposed to say RW Elephant. RW Elephant. <laughs> it's on my laptop. <laughs> What's the next big trend in rentals? I think the next biggest trend is, is a play on shapes. I don't think it's like color or material. I think it's a play on shapes. Okay. Um, so final question for each of you. What do you enjoy most about your rental adventure? It's ours. Yeah, being the boss. And not of other people, but like of ourselves, controlling our own destiny. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on the trunk show. <laughs> and um, I'm so glad that I know you. Thank you for having us. This has been yeah. fun. This is yeah. really fun. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Morgan and Perkins about their adventures at Paisley and Jade in Richmond, Virginia. Check out the show notes to find their business and individual social media handles. Perkins puppy Olive makes a lot of appearances on her account and Morgan's Insta documents bad airport flooring far and wide. You'll definitely want to check them both out. While you're digging into the show notes, look out for the link to join the RW Elephant mailing list. That's where you can find more inspiring event rental industry resources and happenings. Oh, and in case you're wondering what happened to the auction for those six chairs. Oh, we won. Oh, yay.
More chairs. More chairs. I'm Allison Howell, and thanks for listening to The Trunk Show, brought to you by RW Elephant. If there are guests or topics you'd like to hear on the show, give us a shout. Happy renting!